0: Welcome to the podcast for Green Hill Church. You can find out more information about Green Hill Church and how to take your next step with Jesus online at GreenHillChurch.com. If you would open your Bibles with me to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9, we'll begin our Christmas series. I've titled this series, Searching for Christmas. Searching. For Christmas I believe wholeheartedly that every single one of us in this room and really every person on this earth is on some search there's a sense in which deep within us there's a, there's a need that we all carry there's a longing that we all have there's emptiness there's voids that we all want to find and fill Praise the Lord that we, as followers of Christ, have found the source of all the things that we need in Christ Jesus. And ultimately, that's what this series is about. We're looking at these different uh, realities. Peace this week. And this idea of searching for peace. I'm convinced that we live in a world, in a time where people longing for peace. Are looking desperately to fill that void, that emptiness, that sorrow, that despair, that anxiety, that sense of need for peace in their life. A simple Google search you can find many articles helping people discover a peace of mind, an inner peace within. Church, we live in a time and in, in, in an age where there is more chaos and more disorder and, and, and more confusion than ever before. The, the whole word of truth is gone. There's no substance upon which we can align ourselves and our culture anymore, but praise be to God that we have truth, we have the word of God, we have guidance, we have direction. And in the midst of all that, we as God's people find peace we find peace. As I was thinking through this message and even last night just praying and just asking God to to do a good work this morning, in a weird way I just sense God reminding me of this truth, that the enemy is a thief And what I think the enemy wants to do is to rob us of peace. I really do. Ultimately, he wants to rob us of a lot of things, but if he can remove peace, he's won a big victory. And church, I want to remind you this morning that we have peace. We have peace. It's been 11 months since I've been gifted the pleasure of serving as your pastor. And I look out and I see many even new faces that have come to this church even since I've been here. Church, God is doing a good work here at Green Hill Church. And I say that recognizing, and this is what the Lord kind of revealed to me last night, the enemy wants to rob us of that. There's a lot that's happening in people's lives recently. Sickness, death, confusion. And I think that the enemy is trying to, he's trying to stop what God's trying to do. And as I was thinking through that, and I was just thinking through this idea of searching for peace. God just reminded me of this reality. Let us not lose sight of who we are in Christ Jesus, what we have in Christ Jesus, and that even in the chaos of the things surrounding our world, we can walk in the midst of peace because Jesus Christ has come. Amen. He is our peace-searching for peace we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 9 verses 2 through 7 but before we read that I want to remind you that it was on a still quiet silent night the voice of God had not been heard for 400 years the prophets were silent And it was in that stillness, in that quietness, in that darkness, that an angel appears to some shepherds. And he announces the arrival of Jesus. Now, I don't know how it all went down, but I kind of, in my own imagination, think of it this way, that God told this angel, go tell these shepherds that Jesus was born. And all the other angels are like, well, why can't we participate, right? Like, this is a big deal. Like your son on earth, form of a baby. Why does he get to do this? So the angels is down announcing, hey, Jesus is born. Well, then we know in the scripture that all of a sudden a multitude of angels, I think they're like, forget it. We're all coming to the party. And what does it say in the scripture that happens in that moment? They declare, they sing out, they give praise, they give glory to God in the highest. And then they say this, listen, and on earth, peace. And on earth, peace, a time where there was no peace. God enters and brings peace. So how do we understand this? How do we understand that our search for peace is over when we understand that Christ has come? Let's read Isaiah chapter nine and let's read verses two through seven together. It says this, it says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness on them has light shone. As fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. And don't miss this church. Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace. There will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. And don't miss this last statement. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Nothing can stop it. This is the word of the Lord. So we see this prophetic word that Isaiah gives. It's written in the prophetic tense. In other words, it's written as if it's already happened, but yet it hasn't happened yet. It's still to come. And there's this sense in which there's this expectation, this searching for this coming Prince of peace. This was written 800 years before the arrival of Jesus. For another 400 years, there were prophets that were continuing to give the word of God and then silence for 400 years. Then this stillness of this night, there is a cry of the voice of a baby and it is the word of God speaking himself. He had arrived. He was there, the prince of peace. So how do we understand the richness of what is happening in this? We need to understand the richness of what the word peace means. What is it referring to when he says the Prince of Peace, this word shalom. It's the Hebrew word, shalom. There, there's a sense in which we understand peace when we see you know, there's a war that's happening and then there's a peace treaty that's signed. We make monuments to peace over and over and over again after each war is over. There's a sense in which for the, all of recorded time, the, uh, like roughly like the last 3,400 years, only 8% of that time of humanity that's been recorded has actually been periods of peace. We don't live in a peaceful world we understand that concept. We don't understand. We understand that there can be lack of peace in relationships, in our homes, and in, in, in all these different spheres. But when it says the Prince of Peace, what, is, what does that mean? What does, it, what does it look like? The word shalom means completeness or wholeness. Completeness or wholeness. Yes, there's a Absence of conflict, but it's much more than that. It's fuller, it's not just the avoidance of something, conflict or fear or terror, but rather it's the presence of something else, this completeness, this wholeness. Job, when he writes, he uses this word shalom when he talks about that his tents are in a state. He says, my tents are in a state of shalom. And then he goes on, he says, because he had counted all his flocks and none were missing. In other words, my home, my life, my, my tents, my, my estate is in shalom. It's in wholeness. It's complete because there's not any that are missing. Church, as we think about this idea of peace, it can also refer to our well-being where there is a completeness, a wholeness in our lives. When we find ourselves in a state of unpeace, if you will, there's a missing part. There's an incompleteness. There's a sense in which something is broken. I like to use this illustration right here. This is a, a pot, I like my planter's pot here, for me to grow some flowers. Appreciate Lane going to find this for me this morning. And I was like, I'm going to break it. This is what it's like to be without peace. It's not whole. It's not complete. It's it's cracked. It's broken. But yet, to have shalom is to be whole, to be complete. This is what the scripture speaks of when Jesus says that he is the prince of peace, that he's going to bring peace on earth. He's going to take that which is broken and make it whole. This is good. This is the gospel. So how do we walk through this? How do we understand this as we become a people who live in peace and who offer peace to a world around us that is searching for peace? Number one is this. I want us to look at this. Peace comes by God's rescue from the despair of darkness. Peace comes in our life by God's rescue of us from the despair of darkness. What do I mean by that? Look at verse two in Isaiah chapter nine. He says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, right, have seen a great light. There's a sense in which these people are walking in darkness. In fact, if you look back at chapter 8, the two verses that end that chapter, this is how Isaiah describes what's happening in that culture in that time. He says they will pass through the land, greatly distressed and hungry. When they are hungry, they will be enraged and will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upward. And they will look to the earth and behold distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. This is the world that the people were walking in. They had been pulled away from God. They were rejecting God. There was nothing but darkness and anguish happening in their world. It was broken. It was disorder. It was chaos. But yet in verse 2, God and his glory does not leave his people in that state what does it say the people who walked in darkness they were searching there's a sense in which when you're walking in darkness you're, you're, you're searching you're, you're looking for light you're looking for hope you're looking for answers you're looking for peace because you're not at peace in that state and so all of a sudden, these people who had walked in darkness, they had seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shown. This was not something that they did for themselves, but rather that God in his mercy shines a light so that they get a glimmer of hope. They get a glimmer of what's to come. So this understanding of this light that reveals itself in this darkness symbolizes, pictures, the presence of God. Anytime we see light in scripture, it's representative of the, the, the presence, the glory, the, the goodness of God manifested before his people. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is what? God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Church, consider this, it's in the shining of his light that his presence is made manifest to them. It's when God shines his light that all of a sudden people can see the reality and the goodness and the glory of who God is. And it's in that presence that comes peace for his people. I picture the Israelites when they were taken out of captivity, captivity and slavery from Egypt. You remember that God leads them through this wilderness process. And during the day there is his presence in the form of a cloud, but at night it's a pillar of fire. A pillar of fire. Now, if, you, if you've ever been on a wilderness journey, like, imagine like you're like, on this journey and you're on your own. That would be a little bit scary, wouldn't it? It would be a little frightening. There would be a sense in which I have no idea where I'm going. I'm lost in this wilderness. But now imagine there is a pillar of fire in the sky where the voice of God speaks from guiding you and directing you in the darkness of the wilderness. All of a sudden, the fear, the anxiety, the the frustration, the unknown, the, the, the searching ceases. And you're at peace because of the very presence of the fire and the light of God. Church, it's in the presence of God that we have the light of God, and it's in the light of God that we have peace from God. I don't remember if you remember the first time you were ever left home by yourself. You remember this? All of a sudden you thought you were big and bad and grown up your parents are like, you can stay for a couple hours by yourself. We don't want you anymore. <laughs> right, that's, what, that's really what it is. My parents, I remember, they left me and my sister alone. They had gone to a, a, a little get together. I don't know what you call those things. And they left us at our house. It was at night. And so we, we were like, all right, like we know the rules, like don't do anything stupid. Don't burn the house down. Don't answer the door. All those kind of things. Right? So like we're, we're just hanging out on the couch, watching TV. And the next thing I know, bang, 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 front door. We look at each other and we're like, we know the rule. Don't go to the door. Don't answer the door. All right. Bang, 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 bang. It continues and it continues. And it continues. All of a sudden my heart, like right, like it's beating fast. Like I I am no longer at peace anymore. We're sitting on the couch. The TV's right here. The front door's back around the corner. There's a glass door right in front of us. And all of a sudden we start thinking, what if they come to the back? They're going to look in the window and they're going to see us and we're going to be, who knows what's going to happen at that point. So we go huddle in the corner, scared out of our minds. We don't have and I just remember thinking literally if my parents would just get home if my parents would just get home if my parents would just get home why because in the presence of my parents there was no fear the people knock on the door of our house all the time and I never once got scared but it was the lack of the presence of my parents that all of a sudden the unknown, the fear, the anxiety, the the grippingness of all of that grabbed a hold of me. And as soon as my parents walked in the door, everything was calm. See, this is what God has done for his people in the midst of the darkness. They're walking in the darkness and he shines a light. He gives them a glimmer, he gives them his presence. And it's in his presence that peace arrives. And so church, remember whatever it is that you're walking through, Understand that it is the presence of God that gives you the peace in the midst of what it is that you're walking through. His presence brings light. Now, I want want to walk us through some some understanding of Scripture to to see how God is the peacemaker in all things in this idea of darkness. If you go all the way back to Genesis, to the creation account, to Genesis 1-2, listen to what it says. The earth was what? Without form and void. Chaos. And darkness was over the face of the deep but the spirit of god was hovering over the face of the waters so so in the midst of this there's a sense of which it's chaos there's darkness there's void of any order but god being a god of order a god of peace a god of shalom speaks creation into existence. He brings order into that darkness. He speaks light and there was light. He brings forth the earth and he forms it and he fills it and he creates man and all of this he says and he calls it good. And after the sixth day of creating order that was unbroken, that was whole, that was complete, that was perfect, all of a sudden he, what does he do? He rests. Church, when was the last time you've been able to be at rest when you were not at peace? The reason he was able to rest was because it was complete. It was whole. There was no more disorder. There was no more darkness. There was no more disease. There was no more destruction because he he formed and created this perfect world, right, in this way. And then all of a sudden we get in the way. Adam and Eve, a few chapters later, what do they do? They rebel against God. And in that, all of a sudden, brokenness reemerges, darkness reemerges disease, disaster, death, all of that enters. Why? Because we go against God's perfect order and design and shalom, if you will, and all of a sudden we are missing it. The reason there is things happening in our world of disaster and disease and death and destruction and frustration and enmity and strife and brokenness and all of these things, they're happening because we have removed ourselves from the presence of God. And in that comes the darkness. And this is the darkness that the people of Isaiah are walking in. But verse six, for to us a child is born. It is in that darkness that the light arrives. And this is what the scripture says that the light can do. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 6. For God who said, "Let light shine out of darkness." In other words, Paul is quoting back from Genesis when he brings order to the chaos of the darkness. That same God has shown in our hearts to give what? The light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In other words, when we come to him into his presence, into fellowship, into relationship with him, he speaks light, he speaks his presence into us, making us whole and complete again, bringing order in the midst of chaos. You see, for us, this child is born and he's gonna be called the Prince of Peace, but yet you and I, were walking in a day and a time and many of you are walking through it in this moment, through chaos and destruction and disease and death and all these things. So how do we reconcile this reality that this Prince of Peace has come, but yet there is no peace, if you will? It reminds me of the story of Jesus and the disciples in the boat. Do you remember when they're walking, or excuse me, they're, they're out on the boat going across the sea, and it says that there's this massive storm that comes up. And it says that they're feared for their lives. And then it says that Jesus who was in the boat was doing what he was sleeping and so the disciples they go and wake jesus up and say jesus we're about to die and you're asleep and what does jesus say oh my why didn't you wake me up earlier no jesus says oh you of what little faith and then he uses this word he says peace be still And all of a sudden, it became like glass. How do we reconcile this reality? Here's what I believe Jesus was trying to teach his disciples. He wasn't asleep because he was unaware or uncaring or unconcerned. He was asleep, watch this, because he was present and completely in charge of all things happening around him. He was asleep because I think he was at peace. He was able to be at rest in the midst of the storm around him because his presence, because God himself was in charge of it all. And what he wants his disciples, he wants us to know is that when we're in the boat of life and there is storms coming across the bow of the ship and we're being tossed to and fro and it seems chaotic and it seems as if God doesn't care, the truth of the matter is God does care. His presence is perfect. His presence is good. And he's saying, just be at rest, not because of the surroundings, but because I am with you, Emmanuel, God with us. His presence leads to peace. So we see that in this text, that the people who walked in darkness have seen this great light. God brings completeness. He brings shalom to us. Number two, we see this in verse four. It's this, that peace comes by the freedom gained through Christ Jesus. Peace comes through the freedom gained through Christ Jesus. Look at verse four. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. What is he talking about here? The the, the people during this time, they were being oppressed by the Assyrian king. There was a sense in which, there was this, uh, the, the, the Assyrian king was going to come and was going to be conquering the people. They were going to be oppressed. They were going to be beaten by the, what was it say, the staff for his the shoulder, the, the rod of his oppressor. There's the sense that that's used to beat them. There's a yoke of slavery. There's a yoke of, of being a subject to this ruler. And what the scripture says, what the prophecy is showing is that 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 yoke that staff that is oppressing you is going to be broken in other words it will be no more it will be gone you will be set free from this oppression church this is a prophecy of what's going to happen for the people of god that we have this yoke of sin, that we are enslaved to sin, that we are oppressed by the oppressor, and that all of a sudden that God is going to do a work. He's going to bring peace on earth. And how is he going to do that? He is going to break the yoke. He's going to break the rod that oppresses us of sin. He's going to deal with it finally. We'll be set free from it. We will be made shalom, whole, at peace. How do we understand this? How do we how do we? think through this. Listen to what Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 3 says. I'm going to read it quickly. It says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sin in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And listen, we were by nature, what does it say? We were by nature children of wrath children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. In other words, when we become enslaved to sin, which is what we are, we are all sinners, scripture says, We become enslaved to that sin, and in becoming enslaved to that sin, we become objects of the wrath of God. We have sinned against the Holy God. The reason the people of Israel in this time in Isaiah were walking in the darkness, in the anguish, in the gloom of despair, was because they had turned from that king, the King Yahweh, God Almighty, and turned to kings of the earth. And all of a sudden in that, when you rebel against God, you go against the presence of God, you find yourself in darkness, you find yourself enslaved. When you walk in sin, you are enslaved to sin and you are now objects as scripture says of God's wrath now I don't know about you whenever you sin against your parents when you were a kid right there was a sense in which you knew that you were busted and there was a lack of what inside of you peace did you know as that restoration process works itself out between you and your parents and there was forgiveness All of a sudden, the peace was back. See, this is the beauty of what God has done, and this is why Jesus is the Prince of Peace. This is why he is the peacemaker. This is why he brings peace to the earth, because we are objects of God's wrath. There is a war between us and God. We have rebelled against him. There is enmity and strife and discord and separation between us and God. But Jesus, he comes between us and he becomes The one who makes right the relationship between us and God. Listen to what the scripture says. This is Romans chapter 3, verse 22. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned, fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Verse 25. Whom God put forward. In other words, this this child that was to come, this Prince of Peace, whom God put forward as a what? A propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Now you're like, propitiation by his blood. This is weird language, I do not know what you're talking about. This is what it means. Propitiation is an offering satisfying God's wrath towards sin. In other words, Jesus became the very offering to be the wrath satisfier for God. Do you see this? So we are the objects of God's wrath because of our enslavement to sin. We deserve this. But Jesus comes and he takes that upon himself by the shedding of his blood. By going to the cross, he receives the wrath of God that deserves for us. And by doing so, makes peace with us and God. So that's why Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says therefore since we have been justified by faith, in other words when we place faith in Jesus and the work of Jesus on the cross and what he did, notice what it says, we have what? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God. There is no more strife. There is no more enmity. There is no more understanding that we are the objects of God's wrath because it has been placed upon Jesus instead of us. And in that, we have peace with God. We are reconciled. We have been made whole. There is no longer brokenness between us and God. There is now shalom. So we understand that as God does this work, he sets us free. And as we find freedom, we find peace. Listen, until we have peace with God, we will never have any other peace in life. If you think about a train, the locomotive is what pulls all the train cars behind it. And reconciliation and right relationship with God is the locomotive that brings all the other peace in your life. If you don't have that, you don't have any other peace. It begins there. So number three is this. The peace given by God is present now and for all eternity. Church, there's coming a day when the Son of God, when this child will return and when he returns he's not coming in the form of a humble baby. He's coming as the conquering king who will put an end to all wars, who will put an end to all striving, who will put an end to all lack of peace he will make complete all things broken and we will live in forever in the eternal state of shalom of completeness of wholeness we long for that day but yet we live today we live today searching and longing for that so how do we live in this moment of peace now you see Jesus brings peace to this earth. The the scripture says, look at verse seven. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. It's for eternity on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. In other words, peace is not just for eternity. Peace is for today. Church, God wants you to walk out of here in peace, of wholeness, completeness. What what does that look like? You see, Jesus shows up, right, in the midst of that darkness and brings peace on earth. What did that look like? Well, let me tell you a few things. He healed lepers. He healed the sick. He healed the diseased. What did he do? He made them whole. He brought shalom to them. He brought peace to them. He fellowshiped and ate with sinners, and he forgave them. What did he do? He brought wholeness and completeness to their brokenness. He calmed storms. He made them Be at peace, be still. He raised the dead. In other words, watch this. The kingdom of God as it is in heaven came to earth through Jesus. And anywhere that the kingdom of God exists and rules and reigns, that's where there is peace. That's where there is wholeness. That's where there is completeness. And so when we become Christ followers, the scripture says that we are citizens of the kingdom of God. And so the kingdom of God lives in us and through us. And so we have peace because we are citizens, not of this world where there is disorder and darkness. We're citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And in that, we find ourselves walking in peace. So how do we do this? Let me, let me give you just a couple things. Number one is this, rest in the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. How do I walk in peace today? You rest in the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Why? Listen to John 14. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. He says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all the things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said. Now, verse 27, we missed this. Peace I leave with you peace i leave with you my peace i give to you not as the world gives do i give not let your not, let your hearts not be troubled neither let them be afraid in other words you can walk in peace because i'm leaving you something even greater than me the holy spirit who will dwell within you the very light the very presence of god who has set you free removing all sin all chains all captivity and you are now walking in freedom so you walk by the spirit and as the holy spirit is in you you have peace walk by the spirit rest in the presence of the holy spirit you have peace with him the second thing to do is this fix your mind upon the truth of god listen we live in a world that is bombarding us with information and when we begin to cling to that rather than to the truth of god we will never be at peace But listen to what the scripture says. This is one to memorize. This is one to know. Isaiah 26, verse 3 You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Don't you love that? God will keep you in perfect peace when you fix your mind upon Him and His truth. Why? Because you trust in Him. Why can you fix your mind upon Him? Because you trust in Him. Not the news, not the world around you, not the the chaos around you, but you are fixed upon the very things of God. And He keeps you in perfect peace in the midst of that storm. And then, third is this how do we walk in this? Become a peacemaker. Don't miss the missional side of this, that Jesus steps out of heaven to bring peace on earth where there is no peace. And now he's given us the church, the, 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 the understanding that we are to live out the kingdom of God in this. We are to bring peace here on earth as well. And how do we do that? By living out the very kingdom of God in our lives by caring for those in need, by loving those in need, by coming alongside those that are hurting, who are not at peace and helping bring wholeness and completeness in their life, speaking truth into them, loving them, walking with them, serving them, feeding them, clothing them, all the things that we've been looking at that James tells us to do. When we do those things, we are bringing peace. We are bringing shalom. We're making wholeness that which is broken. This is who God's called us to be, church. The greatest opportunity for us as a church is these next four weeks as people are searching for Christmas. They're searching for something. They're searching for peace. They're searching for love, for hope, for joy. All these things we have it, church. Let us walk in a way in such we walk in peace. Therefore, people look at us and say, how do you live in peace in the midst of what you're walking through? Because God is the Prince of Peace. He has given us peace. D.L. Moody, he wrote this, he said, a great many people are trying to make peace, but that has already been done. God has not left it for us to do, all we have to do is enter into it. Church, what are you walking through? What's happening in your spirit? Are you at peace? It begins with the very presence of God and relationship with God and allowing him to do a work in you and in that we find rest. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Father, we come before you right now. We thank you for your word and we thank you for the gift of Jesus. We thank you for the Prince of Peace. That you have sent Jesus to take that which is broken, that which is incomplete, that which isn't whole, and to make it whole again. And Lord, so we rest in your presence. We rest in your freedom. We rest in your peace that is both now and for eternity. Lord, I pray for the person that's walking through a very difficult time right now. God, I pray that you would guard their heart and their mind with your presence and your peace. God, I pray for the person that doesn't have a relationship with you who is literally, the scripture says, objects of your wrath. Lord, I pray that they would see and recognize that Jesus has come to reconcile, to make right, to make whole that which is broken between them and you. God, I pray for their salvation. Lord, you do a work. Lord, you make complete, you bring shalom, you bring peace as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning we're going to respond in song. Pastor Casey and I will be down front. If you need someone to pray with you, maybe you're walking through something. Someone came in the first service, they're walking through something. They just said, will you just pray? This is timely. I need peace. We're walking through some very difficult stuff. Maybe that's you. We want to pray with you. we want to walk with you. You come as the Lord leads. Thanks for listening to the podcast for Green Hill Church. For more information about Green Hill Church, go to greenhillchurch.com. Thanks for listening.